it's, it, you know, it, so, um, so we are in week three of our Vintage Faith series, and uh, I used to preach with one of these all the time, and now I've got to get used to having nothing in my hand, so if like this hand just naturally goes here, just don't laugh at me, please, okay? That's all I ask, okay? Um, but this week... So we've gone through a couple of different things, and the whole idea of the series is to think about things that are solid foundational truths that, that sometimes you hear, oh, well, the, the Word of God is old, or this and that, or, or whatever the case may be, that, oh, how do we know that the Bible is true? How do we know this? And so the first week we went over, we talked about how God ha- wants to have a relationship with us. From, from Genesis to, to Revelation, the, the goal of God was always drawing back the heart of, of people to him. And that's a, that's a, that is a foundational truth, that God wants to have a relationship with me and you. It's not that he wants to judge us. It's not that he wants uh, some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell. It's, it's that God wants all to have a real relationship with him. Last week, the the vintage faith truth that we talked about was the fact that there's a process in our life of repent, turn, follow. If you missed last week or any of the weeks before, you can go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or our website and and catch up on the series. But last week, we talked about the fact that when when every single time you saw the Israelites, every time uh, you see uh, something going wrong, a prophet or somebody would say, hey, listen, here's what needs to happen. You need to return to God and you need to follow him. New Testament, Jesus says, repent. You know, John the Baptist declares, repent for, for the kingdom is at hand. And repent doesn't mean that you're this absolutely horrible person. We're all horrible in that sense of we all fall short of God. But it means that I'm not lined up with God's will for my life. And so I need to stop. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to turn and fill that void with the glory and the goodness of his presence. And I need to follow after him. This week, I want to talk about the word of God. Because I think a lot of people, I know that I talk to a lot of people that talk about how the word of God, how do we know that the Bible is true. How many have ever heard this from somebody? Well, isn't the Bible written by men? So how do we know that their opinions weren't sprinkled in here? How do we know that, that their opinions weren't what they were writing and not the, the truth of God? Or, or let's say this, maybe, maybe you sit there and, and with your head you believe that the word of God is true, but you question some of the things that you read in it and you go, well, how can this be? Okay, And, and, and it's very common. So, so really, I guess if you had to sum it up, what I want to talk about is biblical authority in our lives. That either the word of God is true or it's not, but there is no in-between in our lives. Watchman Nee, who was a, an amazing uh, Christian, he, he wrote great books. Uh, he says this, he says, if anyone teaches anything that is contrary to God's truth, we cannot listen to him no matter what, who he is. I love that. Because in this day and age where you can listen to every pastor on a podcast, no matter their personality, no matter uh, who they are, no, no matter how big their church is, this is the test. This is the funnel of, of, of how we check if somebody is right or not. 
if they, if anyone teaches anything that is contrary to the word of God, we cannot listen to him no matter who he is. I don't care if he's got a 25,000 member church. I don't care if she flies around the world and does 5,000 conferences a year. I don't care. The fact is, is that nobody should get up and preach from, you know, the book of opinions, right? The doctrine of the authority of God, or sometimes you'll hear it like this when, when you, um, if you listen to podcasts that kind of go deep into, uh, or a little deeper into theology, you'll hear uh, words like the inerrancy of scripture. All that means is that the God-breathed scriptures are wholly true in all things, and they assert in the, uh, that they assert in the original text, and therefore function with the authority of God's own words. Okay? I'm going to read that one more time so that, it, that, that the, the scripture is God-breathed, it's wholly true in all things, and asserts that the original text functions with the authority of God's own word. Meaning that when we look at the Bible, it is not our job to pick and choose what we like and don't like. It is to believe that either the word of God is wholly true or it is wholly a lie. That's what we as human beings get to choose, what we believe, what we, what we sit and, and function within. And so uh, as God is true and trustworthy, if you believe that God is true and trustworthy, then you have to believe that so is his word in the, uh, that is written and recorded in the original text that we call the Bible or the scriptures. You cannot say God is trustworthy, but his word is a lie. You cannot say God is loving and caring and kind and, kind and I believe who God is and then say that, well, I only believe so many things in the Bible. There was a, a sad statistic, uh, and, and I'm sure it's even higher now, but I remember probably about eight years ago, reading this scripture or this uh, statistic that said that one in four believers, this is not, not non-believers, this is people that call themselves Christians. One in four believers do not believe the Bible is holy truth. That's a scary statistic. Because when, when you break that down, when you think of the millions of, of people that are believers in the world, and then you break that down into a quarter of them don't believe that the Bible is wholly truthful. 100% the, the, the written word of God. And my, my goal here today is to do two things. One is to teach and show you in the scripture where, where we can fully function this thought process of the word of God and two, to encourage you or, or, or to preach a little bit uh, about how we can apply that to our lives. So look at John 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, you can look at it up on the screen or you can pull it up uh, in your Bible or write it down or however, you know, I don't, I don't care. John 1.1. 1, 1. And a lot of us probably have heard this one before, you know, uh, even if we haven't read a whole lot of the Bible. It says this, in the beginning, the word already existed. In the beginning, the word already existed and the word was with God and the word was God. 
Now, obviously, if you read the, the text, it, the, the W on word is, is capitalized, right? So, so they're speaking the word is Jesus. But they're saying that the word, and, and, and not to go too deep in, into teaching, but that word logos, which is the, uh, the Greek word uh, that they would have used in the original text, logos, um, was, was a spoken word. The, the, the spoken word of God was around from the beginning. God spoke into existence, right? He spoke, the, he, he spoke the world, he spoke the universe, he spoke uh, animals and trees and everything into existence. But, but this also is a, a show of the Trinity and all of that as well. In the beginning, the word was already existed. The word was with God and he was God. And then you partner that with like a Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if the word was way back when, and the word is God, and the word was with God, and he doesn't change yesterday, today, or forever, then we come to this understanding that the word of God that was written as well as spoken from him doesn't change. God doesn't have uh, multiple personalities where he goes, well, for, for this generation, I'm going to speak this. And, and for this generation, I'm going to speak this. And for this generation, I'm going to say this. And, and I'm going to look a little confused. And I know we can read the, the scriptures and we can look at uh, some of the things in the Old Testament. We go, but what about, what about this? And I know we could go one by one of these things. And if you ever got questions, I, I, if I can answer them, I'd love to. Or you can look up uh, stuff and, and, and be, I mean, obviously be careful with that. Make sure that it's a trusted source. But there are some really, really great theologians, some, some men and women that study God's word and put it out there on the internet for all to read and to watch. And YouTube is great. Uh, people like Tim Keller, who uh, went to be with Jesus this last year, is a phenomenal resource. He is extremely smart. He started the Gospel Coalition, which their whole, their whole purpose was to say, how do we help people break down and understand the faith of Christianity from a, a deep theological sense that makes sense for, the, for every person? So as God has been the same since the beginning, his character, his attributes, his nature, his word, so has the word, Jesus, and the written word, None of it will change because God doesn't change. What he said thousands of years ago, he means today. It didn't change. Culture may change. And it may make the truth look different because culture wants to call it outdated or bigoted or you know they use these words to make you feel like you can't speak up about it. And if you don't know and here's, here's the biggest part about it, and this is what we're going to talk about at the end. If you don't know how to speak from the Word of God, if you don't know how to carry the Word of God with you in your life, people will always be, know how to beat you down with their opinion because they will make you feel, right? They, they, feelings will trump truth if you don't know how to speak it in a caring, loving, and kind way, but a truthful way. Benjamin Warfield said this, the trustworthiness of the scriptures lies at the foundation of trust in the Christian system of doctrine and is therefore fundamental to the Christian hope in life. In other words, if you take the word of God and you say it's not true 100%, you mess up the whole doctrine of Christianity. Because if it's not true, then why did Jesus come to die on the cross? 
If it's not true, then how do we, how do we know that what faith is? If, if it's not true, how do we know what hope is? Because if I believe in one part of the scripture, but I don't believe in the other, then my argument starts to fade away and break down. So three thoughts for you this morning. The first one is simply this. The word is our foundation. Church cannot be your foundation. People cannot be your foundation. Bible studies can't be your foundation. The word of God is our foundation in faith. The foundation of faith rests solely on the truthfulness of the word of God. Look what, look what Jesus' prayer is in John 17, 17. Jesus is praying to God the Father, and, he, and, he's, and he's praying all these things, and he gets, you get to verse 17, and he says this. He's talking to God the Father. He says, make them holy by what? By your truth. Not make them holy by how you feel. Not make them holy by the experience you have inside of a building. All of those are, can be useful in our life, right? Not make them holy by, by how good of a preacher they have or, or how great of a worship team or, or how big of a church they go to or, or any, none of the, the, the parameter that a lot of times we will look at to see if, if somebody is close to Jesus. He simply tells God the Father, make them holy by your truth. And then he says what? Teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus' very prayer to God the Father is that not just make them holy, but make them holy by the truth of God, by the word of God, that, that the word of God would be taught to them so that they could go and have it in them to give it out. This is, this is how important the word of God is to Jesus and, and to God the Father. We are praying... Just get this through your thought process. We are prayed over by Jesus. Like that should be awe-inspiring. That Jesus, your Savior, prayed for you and prayed that you would be foundationally strong in the Word of God. And that God the Father would teach you what His Word was, is, and will ever be. We learn everything about God from the truth of his word. Think about how we get the, so, so there's, there's two thought processes. There's how we get to know people, right? And then like how we get to know people that we don't actually know, like superstars and, and famous people and all that. Like we get to know them by what? By interviews where somebody asks them questions and then they answer them. And, and we put those interviews together. If you follow anybody famous or you're like really big into somebody, like you can go, oh, I remember when they were interviewed and they said this, this, and this, and blah, 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 and you rattle off all these things about them. The Bible is a written interview of the life of God the Father, his son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that is promised to us. Now, along the line, and I think this is where it gets a little tricky, is there's historical stuff that's written into it. Okay, there's cultural stuff that is written into it. So, so there's things that happens within the Jewish community that doesn't make sense to us. <laughs> like, why would they do that? 
Why do they do this? And, and, and it's not a part of our culture, so then you have to go back and you have to do some studying. Well, why did they do that? And then how does it apply to my life? Like how does what the Jewish people did back then, and, and this is where I think a lot of people get lost. Well, is the Old Testament functional for our lives? Yes. 100% yes. Now, does that mean that you are living in sin if you are not following Levitical law? Right? So here's where it gets tricky. The Old Testament is for us. It is still for us. It is still holy truth. It is still 100% God's word. It is inerrant, which means it is infallible. There is 100% truth in it. And yet, do we have to follow Levitical law? No. How can that be? Because when Jesus comes, he says, I've come to fulfill the law. And so why did the, the, the thing is, is that culturally it was their way because they didn't have the Holy Spirit living with them daily. The, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit would come and descend and do, and then it would go. So they didn't have this everyday helper, which by the way, if you look in the scriptures, it says that the Holy Spirit was a helper of truth. Okay, another little nugget. Um, so they, they had the Holy Spirit would come and descend upon leaders or des- descend upon uh, somebody to do something, and then it would leave. And so they were left with self-discipline that had to be done in a functional everyday way. So I need you to to live a certain way, and in order to do that, I need you to be self-disciplined in this way. And they gave them the list, okay? So most of us, if if we want to say that we follow Levitical law, if we follow Old Testament law, we're all sinning right now just by sitting here, in multiple ways, by the way. But most of us are wearing blended fabric, Levitical law says that is not okay. And you would go, why would God write that in there? I don't know. Ask him when we get up there. I'm, you know, I, I don't understand all, you know, as a pastor, they go, well, you, you, you teach the word of God. I Listen, I do not understand. I'm not in God's brain. I am not God. I am infallible. Or I am fallible. I'm not infallible. Easy, Jesus. I'm going to get struck down. Sorry. I am fallible, man. My job is to read this and study it in a way that I can help break it down for people to live in a functional faith close to Jesus, close to the word of God. So here's what I know is I know that the Old Testament is still for me today, just as it was for the Jewish people back then. But, but we read it and maybe just a little bit differently because I'm not bound by the law because the law is fulfilled in my Savior. It doesn't mean that, what it means is that I can learn a lot from it about the discipline side of faith, about about what it means to truly follow him when when we don't quite want to, because a lot of times Jewish people would be like, we want to do our own thing. And God God would say, no, do this. And And they'd follow it. Why? Because the word of God from the beginning of time was the foundation for everybody who wanted to follow him. And Jesus praised the God for Make them holy by your truth and by your word. The truthfulness of the text reflects the truthfulness of its divine author. Maybe I guess you have to take the Bible at at its 100% truthfulness to understand this verse. But Luke 137 says this, for the word of God will never fail. So when somebody asks me, well, how do you know the Bible is truth? I have faith in, in a God who says it will never fail. Now, can I, can, I, can I break it down and show you 100%? No, because then it wouldn't be faith. It would be logic. 
And, and Christianity has never fully functioned on logic, ever. There's faith. Without faith, we really don't have a system of belief in, in Christ. I mean, because really, raise your hand if you've seen Jesus on earth. Right? So, so we have to take historical value, but I could ask the same thing. How many have ever seen George Washington? How do we know he existed? Because history wrote about him. Because people saw him and wrote down a historical aspect of him. And a lot of times in the Bible, there's just history. These people did these things. And it's a good for us to know a lot. Of, and it's from the Jewish perspective. Right? These kings fought in these wars. And people will go, well, God must be okay with war because it's written in the Bible. No, he's telling you what happened because men and women are, are sinful and they caused war. God's heart was never war. But if, if men and women have free will, then in that, he's giving a historical playbook of how it went down for his people. Uh, we've had this conversation re recently. Well, God must be okay with multiple wives because there, it talks about it in the Bible. No! In the beginning, he created Adam and he saw that it was not good that he would be alone, so he made a, a uno, one, helper. It wasn't like, hey, he was, he was alone, so I made him five, and then he just was like, God, what are you doing to me? Yeah. So, so we, you'd look at it and you would look at scripture and go, but scripture is okay with multiple wives. No, it, was, it, it is literally writing down the history of fallible men's choices and the direction of their life. And then it leads you back to the truth eventually and shows you how he blesses his people when they fall back in love with him and follow his word and his will. So it's not that God is okay with everything that's written, written down historically in the Bible. He's showing you how he walks people through sin from the beginning of time to the end of time and how his word is truth in all of it. God will never fail. His written word was not merely written by men, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. He is the author, and God was not just speaking then, but he is actively speaking now through his word to us. So my second thought is this. So the first thing is, it, for, and quite frankly, if you don't like that one, then the rest of this message is not for you. If the, if the Bible is not the foundational truth in your life, then the rest of this means absolutely nothing. The, the second one, uh, the second thought is actually a statement. It's a Latin statement called solo scriptura. Sola, because solo scriptura is completely different. Solo scriptura. And it is a... Uh, I, I don't want to get into it because there's a whole lot of argument that can happen just from that one statement if you dive theologically into it. But sola scriptura literally just means scripture alone. That's what it means. Scripture alone. It is a theological doctrine that states we should not add to scripture for our faith. Now, what that doesn't mean is don't listen to preachers because they're, they're man. It doesn't mean don't go to Bible studies because uh, it's not just the word of God. Don't go and listen to podcasts because they, they may put their opinion in it. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is the word of God is fully sufficient for us alone. I don't need to add to or give my opinion of what I think God might have been saying at this point that makes me feel better. 
The scripture alone stands by itself because it is the, uh, the, the inspired breath of God written on paper. We don't, need to, we don't need a new spirit of the church or the Lord has spoken a new thing because if it doesn't line up with God's word, hear me now, it's wrong. If a pastor or a preacher or evangelist or, or anybody, listen, if Joe Schmo walks into our church and stands up in the middle of the day and says, thus saith the Lord, a new thing's coming. If it don't line up with the word of God, you better sit down and shut your mouth. And I will tell him that. Because that's my authority given to me by God to be the pastor and the leader of this church to say, my people that God has given me to, to, to raise up and to, and to be pastor over, I'm not going to allow them to hear false doctrine because they think that there's a new thing coming that doesn't line up with, well, it's not in the word of God, but it's the spirit of God, not the word. No, 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 no. My job isn't to add to what God has already spoken. My job is to navigate with the word of God, through the life that I live, with the Holy Spirit, the helper of truth, through the life I've been given. And, and, and you can maybe call me a little judgmental or maybe even a little skeptical of a lot of churches because I see things happen in churches and, and my wife sometimes has to tamper me a little bit um, because I go, where is, listen, I'm not a fourth, fifth generation preacher. Nobody before me in my family was a preacher. I didn't get raised up in the church. I wasn't, you know, raised on the, the pews of the church, anything like that. So, so my whole heart is sola scriptura because it's the word for me. If it's not in the Bible, then I'm sorry. You'll have a hard time getting me to believe it any other way. And so when I see these, these, these churches and they're like, the Lord is here. Look at the gold dust coming from the ceiling. And I'm like, What? You see, y'all, y'all laugh, y'all laugh, but there are, listen to me, major churches in America that you know, people that follow, listen to them and they got just enough of Jesus to pull you in with the truth because they do, they preach the truth. But then they attach their own spirit. They attach a, like, and, and, and my my wife's probably going to get mad at me because she hates when I talk about this church in particular. Um, but they attach Eastern mysticism to their messages. Okay? And, and they, oh, look, the Spirit of God is here. Gold dust is falling. This literally happens in a church, okay? Mega, mega church. Some of the music you probably listen to and love. I'm not going to say who it is. Um, I'm going to leave you guessing. Where is that in the Bible? Why does God need gold dust to make him, his presence? I would have this feeling that if God wants to make himself known in a physically evident way, he's going to let you know. He's not going to make you guess. And it's the same way I feel about laying on of hands and being slain in the spirit, if you have any idea of what that means. We've, we came from a church where some people thought that they had to push while they prayed. You'd go up to pray for them. I mean, we would, you know, you're literally, you know, standing like you're at a starting line of a race. Because if the, if the Holy Spirit wants me to go down, no man needs to touch me. By the way, if, if you go down, no man needs to catch you either. <laughs> you see those catchers in churches like, if God's going to knock you out, he's going to make you okay on your landing. 
And, and oh, listen, I'm, like I said, I get a little riled about that because, be, listen, because I think that so, I think, listen, I think a lot of good people are going to get led astray by non-truth. So I'm not trying to create a new thing. I'm trying to preach the word of God and how it fits in our functional culture today. How do I see God moving in the culture today like he did in his time? Because he used culture to preach the message, and so did all the prophets. They used culture and stories to preach the message and to preach everything out of the Bible. But they never the, 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 the gospel never changed. The message never changed. It was always the same from beginning to end. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21, above all, I love when those words are written, right? Because it's like, hey, listen up. You must realize, ah, that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So if you ever get asked, if you ever get asked, well, how do we know that they didn't put their own opinion in it? Well, because I believe that the word of God is 100% truth, and it even addressed the issue in there. That as, as, as fallible as man is, as, as horrible as, as Peter could be, as, as, as ratchet as David was sometimes, when he was writing the words of God, it was not him, it was the Holy Spirit through him. And when pastors prepare, they should line their thoughts up with the word of God. And when they study the word of God and then they preach and teach the word of God, it will align with the heart and the spirit of God. I've said this my whole preaching career of over 20 years. You better test and check me. And if you got a question, ask me. Do I know all the answers? Absolutely not. Am I willing to, to study? Absolutely. I love studying God's word. As I was studying for this, I was sitting on my phone watching the Gospel Coalition, listening to Tim Keller and some of these great doctors and, and, and men and, and women of the faith and, and, and just talking about the inerrancy and the truth of, of God's word and how powerful it is when we understand what God's word is and how it applies to our life when we follow it as it is intended. So test and check your pastors. Test and check the people that you listen to podcasts. Cole, me and Cole did this just a few months ago. We were both listening to a pastor to, uh, at the same time, and, and, and something was said. And listen, it checked us, and we we're like, nope, nope, shh, off, the, off the playbook. Because if you're, willing to, if you're willing to compromise on one area of the word of God, you're willing to compromise on it all. And I'm not going to listen to you, and I don't want my people to listen to you. Their interpretation, their opinion, their intelligence, and their personality means nothing if it is not aligned with the truth, the purpose, and the study of God's word. It's his will, his lordship above all, which means we preach, teach, and live his word above everything else. Jesus over everything. The word of God over everything. Well, yeah, but what, is, what does culture say about this? I don't care. If it aligns with God's word, then cool. But if it doesn't, it don't. Right? You know? Because as we move in culture, things are going to happen. Well, what, 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 where do you sit with, with uh, people living together before marriage? It doesn't matter where I sit. Where does the word of God sit? Where do you sit with homosexuality, pastor? It doesn't matter where I sit. It matters where the word of God sits. Because my opinion will always be aligned with the word of God. 
well, well where, where do you sit with? Listen, here's my answer for all of it, just in case you ever want to know. My opinion will always sit secondary to the will and the power of the word of God. And if anything changes, it will be my opinion, not the word. I will not change the word of God to fit my opinion or culture's ideas. And so if that makes me old-fashioned or if that makes me outdated, then that's fine because the word of God over everything. His truth doesn't change. Psalms 33, 4 through 5, for the word of the Lord holds true and we can trust everything he does. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. So my, my encouragement to you is study the word of God. Align it with your life, with what you listen to, with how you act, with what you speak. If you don't know something, study. We have never been a more capable generation to understand and have knowledge of God's word, ever. We have it at our fingertips, multiple translations, which, by the way, study them. Well, how do we know those translations are, are, are the correct translation? Study them. Do some research on the people that wrote the translation. Like, people talk about the message. Well, it's kind of out there. It's real modern. And Eugene Peterson was one of the smartest men when it came to studying the Word of God. All he did was take it and say, let's make it to where people understand it a little bit. So he broke down the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and, and he walked through that uh, and, and did a lot, a lot, a lot of studying to come up with what it would sound like if Jesus was speaking in today's culture. Now, do I preach out of that every Sunday? Absolutely not. It's a great read, but it's not necessarily for me a great preaching translation. There's a lot of translations that I read. The Passions translation is a great one, but it's not one that I preach a lot off of. I preach typically from the New Living Translation or ESV, okay? But, but if, if you're curious about a translation, study who translated it and why they translated it. And then if, if, here, here's the other thing. Study, if you've got topical things, study multiple different things, even, even people that maybe you don't necessarily uh, agree with and see what they say. Just to get a wide variety and then say, okay, God, and, and then you bring it to God. Holy Spirit, reveal to me what you want. I would love to do a message, a, a, a series that, that would say something along the lines of, what does the Bible really say? Because there's a lot of topics that we just, I was listening to Tim Keller and them talk on women preachers. Oh. It's still a hot topic in the church, by the way. Very hot topic in the church. If you want my opinion? Come ask me. Um, because it's not today's message. The word of God is above all else. God says Jesus is the word. We will be taught by the truth of his word and the Holy Spirit is the helper of truth. All right, I'm rounding home. Rounding towards home, I should say. 2 Timothy 2.15, this is out of the ESV. It says, I love this. Do your best. Does it say be perfect? No. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Because when you speak from God's word and you speak your opinion over it, you actually start to change people's viewpoint of God. And so God holds you responsible when you speak God's word and you don't do it appropriately. 
So he says, listen, do your best to understand what my word is saying and handle it rightly to be able to give it out to other people. So my last thought is this, the word of God is active. It's not a has been, a was been, a for other people. It is for you today. If you don't understand it, then start somewhere easy to understand. I always tell people, read the gospels, get to know who Jesus is. And then from there, get to know what the New Testament church looked like with the book of Acts and Romans. And then go back and read uh, some of these beautiful uh, Psalms and, and Proverbs. And then maybe go back and start reading in some of the historical aspects and, and dive, dive deeper into some of these uh, scriptures. But here's the thing. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I love that statement. It teaches us what is true and it helps us recognize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's not just a book of history, but a word that is active in our faith growth and a prescription for our soul. God's word is one of the most vital tools in our life to connect us to the, to the presence of God. That's why a couple weeks ago when people asked, oh, man, pastor, I'm going through a hard time. I asked those two questions. How's your prayer life? And how's your devotional life? Because when you are not connected to the word of God, it's very hard to be connected to the person of God. Because the Bible says that they are one and the same. It is the very character and nature of God spoken through the Holy Spirit into man's hearts, written on paper for us to read and to live by. And so it's inspired by God so that we can live it out. It's not just uh, a, 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 a book but it is the instruction manual for a lot of what we will walk through. Hebrews 4.12, I believe this is the last scripture. Hannah, you can make your way up here. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is what? Living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I love that about the Word of God. The Word of God can change you like that. I've, been, I've sat there, and, and listen, I think sometimes we, we get this idea of what it means to read God's Word. Like we got to sit down for hours and pile through it. Sometimes it's one scripture. And that one scripture will get me lost on such a thought for so long Sometimes it's just one scripture and I'll just, I'll just think about it for a couple of minutes and I'll move on. But it says that the Bible is, the word of God is living and active. And, and so when we read it, we read it a lot of times with the idea of what we're walking through. You don't think God knows what you're walking through? Maybe it's just me, but I'm, I've been there where I've read some scripture. I'm like, God, how, why, you are all up in my kitchen. How did you know what I was walking through? How did you know that I needed this encouragement? How did you know that I needed this correction? Because the, the word of God is living and active. Be, because the Bible 
was written by the Spirit of God, spoken into the hearts of men so that anyone who would follow Jesus would have it to guide and lead them in their lifetime. And it's not our job to put our spin on it. It's not our job to put our opinion or to allow culture to tell you what is and isn't. Dive into God's word. I can't say it enough. Use the helpers that, that the, the, of the world we live in to help you study God's word. I mean, could you imagine living in like 1300s or, or the season when the church was telling you that you were too dumb to read the word of God? By the way, that was a real thing. No, you have to come to church because I, as the pastor, am the only one that can rightly divide what the Word of God is saying. And you, dumb peasants, you have to hear it from me. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. It says that the Bible was inspired by the breath of God and the Holy Spirit written to men and women so that they could live a life according to the goodness and riches of his mercy. It's not my job to get it twisted. It's my job to study it, to read it, and apply it. So use helpers like version. Right Now Media, which we give to you freely. Podcasts of, of, of men and women that you trust. The Gospel Coalition. If you've never heard it, go home today and get on thegospelcoalition.com. It is fantastic. Uh, what's the other one? The Bible Project. Oh my gosh. Love, love, love the Bible Project. You will fall in love with the Bible Project. I'm telling you. You'll, you'll, you'll binge watch them things. So they'll be like, I never knew the word of God like this. I'm telling you. Live it out. Study it and live it out. The word of God carries the very spirit of God that changes lives, equips believers, and turns our hearts towards him. Sometimes it challenges us to live according to his word, a way that we have, and it draws us close to the Holy Spirit. So fall in love with God's word again. Maybe fall in love with God's word for the first time. But I'm telling you, you can't follow Jesus close enough without it. If you ever ask me a question, first and foremost, I'm going to ask, what does the Bible have to say? Not what does man's opinion have to do with it? Our opinion matters a little bit. But can I tell you that God's word is far more better than anything that I can think? And that's what we're always going to stand on in this church. The vintage faith that the word of God is the true foundation of our, our faith. And it's how we're going to continue to, to look at how it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Sola Scriptura. The word alone is more powerful than man's opinion. The word alone was inspired by the breath of God. Will you pray with me? God, I know this wasn't one of them hoorah messages. But God, I believe that where the hoorah, the excitement is, is when somebody picks up your word and realizes how it shapes and impacts our lives. When we pick up your word and it, and it, and it challenges us, it encourages us, it equips us, it, it gets us ready for the life that we're living. It, 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 
engages in the moments of our life that we're walking through, where we're asking for wisdom, where we're asking for truth, and, and we've got a thousand different voices in our heads screaming at us what truth is, and yet your word says it is the only thing that is 100% truth. It takes faith. That takes the ability to say, I trust God and I trust his word over everything. So God, speak to us through your word. God, I pray that over these next few weeks that maybe we would be challenged to dive into it a little bit deeper. Maybe a topical study. Maybe, maybe we're, we're partnering it with a podcast or a Bible study or, or, or some other tool that we're using to dive into your word. God, reveal your truths to us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would walk with us daily and help us to be engaged by your word, to live it out so the rest of the world could see your love and your purpose in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory and honor for who you are. I thank you for those that have showed up. And God, I thank you for those that give faithfully to the church, not for my sake, but for the sake of the kingdom that we would be able to reach souls and reach lives for your glory. God, we thank you. We give you glory. And I pray that this week we would be a blessing, but God, we would also find ways to bless others, to pray for others, to, lo to love others, and to live out your word in a culture around us. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory and honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.